Ahoy! Welcome to Diffuse Tap with Penny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we're talking to Fred Phillips, the CEO of Investor Cash Management. They have an innovative solution that allows you to use ETFs to pay for everyday items. He's going to be talking about that as well as what the liquidation infrastructure looks like for this and why Visa and other providers are getting on board. Enjoy. And then we're going to have everybody zoom in here. Here comes the zoom in. Very exciting stuff. Because ah, we're on Zoom, get it? Anyways, welcome everybody. Nice to see you this morning. Most of you this morning. Some of you maybe not. Um, if you're this first time here, you might be a bit confused. So here's what's on tap here at Diffuse Tap. This is a weekly event. Uh, done 174 times, which is bananas. And we're going to briefly talk about Diffuse Tap, the event you're in right now. Talk about Diffuse Funds. Um, and then we're going to do a fireside chat with Mr. Fred. Phillips, learn a little bit about what he's up to over at Investor Cash Management. And we're going to do two more rounds of tap rooms because this event is primarily networking. Most of our time each week is small groups of four, five, six in tap rooms, giving you a chance to meet interesting alternative investor players, investors, folks who just kind of dabble in the space um, with a pretty heavy emphasis on crypto. Uh, diffuse tap. We also do periodically in-person versions of this, just kind of casual, grab a drink, meet up with people. Um, we're doing about once a month. So we're actually looking for somebody to host for October. So if you're interested having some diffuse tappers out your way, uh, let us know and we can help make that happen. Diffuse funds. Uh, we launch funds right in the name. So we are primarily focused on digital assets. The big push at the moment is our DD30 product, which is a market cap weighted index fund of the top 30 assets. It is publicly listed and we are aggressively scaling it right now. So uh, and offering some profit share to investors. So anybody who's interested, hit us up. We'll help make that happen. But that's enough about us. Let's hear from Mr. Fred Phillips. Ms. Phillips, you want to unmute yourself, tell the good folks a little bit about your background and what you're up to over at Investor Cash Management. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. I'm delighted to be here. So I'm Fred Phillips. I'm the founder and CEO of Investor Cash Management, which is a fintech company. Um, we're the youngest company in which Visa has invested. And our investors include um, the former chairman of MasterCard who led them through their IPO, Joe Mansueto, who's the founder and chairman of Morningstar, John Rogers, who's the founder and chairman of Ariel, who's also on the board of McDonald's, Nike, the New York Times. And um, our core infrastructure partners, apart from Visa, are Bank of New York Mellon and Bank of New York Mellon Investment Management is our custodian asset manager. And Drive Wealth is another custodian force and PIMCO is an alternative asset manager. Prior to this, I directed financial services and financial technology investments for the Carlisle Group, which is a large private equity fund. We had a $1.2 billion fund for this. And prior to that, um, I did the same for AB and AMRO when it was among the world's largest banks. Okay, um, that's exciting and quite an impressive list of investors and partners. Visa Mansueto are definitely well-known names uh, around Chicago at a minimum. Uh, so I guess, what what is the core product over at Investor Cash Management? What's the, the pitch? Right, so um, the same way that Diffuse Funds tends to use like fund products, Investor Cash Management, our core product is an Investor Cash Management account. Um, you know, it took us a substantial amount of time to name that. So what our product does is it links concurrently to a bank account, an FDIC bank account, and through the brokerage platform to various asset management products. So what makes our product unique is that we can provide immediate liquidity on not only the bank account, but also the mutual fund or the ETF. 
So for example, Kenny could take Isla to lunch and pay with an ETF, a mutual fund, or a defined portfolio of ETFs and mutual funds. Or more simply, you know, Kenny can be liquid and um, invested at the same time. And so to anticipate the question of, so why would anyone want this? Now, the current national average, which the FDIC updates every Monday morning, is seven basis points on checking. You know, a government money market fund in an average share class would be, you know, 500 basis points. So you can get literally 70 times your money while retaining the same liquidity through a debit card or through an ATM, Apple Pay, Google Pay, peer-to-peer transfers like Venmo or Zelle in an integrated online bill payment product. Okay, so how does it logistically work? And Aaron actually had the same question. Is this a margin product? Like where you- no, that's a really good question. Product? Right, so that's a, that's, and that, that's a great question. So margin is um, many, if not all on this call knows, is a credit construct. So the way that one would typically do this in the past would be to say, I have, for example, a million dollars in my brokerage account, you know, and in, in invested in various products. Depending upon what those products are and their volatility, I can perhaps get 70% margin. So I have a credit line of $700,000. The problem with that is um, when I transact, margin interest typically will accrue from the moment I transact until I pay that margin loan back plus whatever's the accumulated interest. So even if it's a debit card linked to a margin product, what I've done is transformed it into the world's most expensive credit card, right? Because there's no grace period. So what we do is a pure debit construct. So I started, um, a, I co-founded a um, company in the UK called AccuCard. Um, which we eventually sold to Lloyd's TSB, which is a, a large British bank. And what, you know, off of the experience of building a credit card company among my resolutions was I never wanted to have to fund credit lines again, right? So one of the great advantages of our product and what makes it more more profitable for us is that we're basically using a... Um, we're using a different settlement cycle that enables us to go ahead and use a debit construct without funding receivables. Interesting. Okay. So I go buy lunch, I don't know, hundred bucks, whatever it is, right? And you immediately then sell the underlying assets, get the proceeds and the proceeds, then you credit back up to, to, to pay the vendor. Um, yeah, that's broadly right. So to be a little more granular, because you all strike me as being pretty detailed people. So the way it'll work is let's assume that everyone on this call happily is using our product. Um, so, you know, different people are doing different things. Isla's funding her account, um, AJ's direct depositing, um, Chad's transacting from an ATM, um, Ray's, you know, buying different things with his debit card. Um, Liliana's doing different things through online bill pay. Craig's doing stuff with Apple Pay, whatever. So what we do is at the the end of the day, approaching market close, is we'll go ahead and see what the inflows are for a given product. For example, the Pimco um, Mint, which is an ultra short bond fund ETF. So we'll see what the inflows were into that product. We'll see what the outflows were. We'll cross that on our end. And then we'll send the custodian a single trade along with an allocation file saying, you know, this much of this trade. So for the, the custodian loves us, right? Because mm-hmm. it's hyper efficient. Even if you have an enormous number of transactions, you're only getting one instruction per day to buy this or sell that. And then we send an allocation file via API to say this is what corresponds to each individual user or individual account. Okay, interesting. So you are netting inflows and outflows on a per product basis, and then you're just doing the one transaction, just market right. close trade effectively. To, That's to, exactly right. To and, we're trade, the- 
Exactly. And again, um, with the it, what you said is exactly right. So with the ETF, we're not it's not like if Isla, you know, buy something with her debit card at 11.23 in the morning, we're using that price. And then mm-hmm. if Aaron does something at 12.04, we're using that price. It's, we're just using a market close price. And of course, that's disclosed in the documents. Interesting. Okay. Um, that makes total sense. Uh, Ray had a question here for you. Kind of, you're doing this now as the centralized party. I think you just answered the question. Can this be done on a, on a P2P basis without like having a, a debit card in the mix? Yeah, so we can use, for example, um, you can link our account to Zelle and, and Venmo, if that's what you'd like to do. You could also do via Apple Pay and Google Pay, but I mean, at some level, you're using the debit card when you do that. Understood, understood. Uh, and then that takes us back to the question. So you mentioned at the top, uh, Visa is one of your significant partners. Um, they're, and an they're, investor also. And an investor, okay. So they're well-known for credit cards, uh, which you're not a margin. And debit on. cards. And debit cards. So is it a debit card partnership is how they- It's a debit card partnership. Understood. Okay. One of the things that we've thought about um, is issuing a product that um, would be a secured credit card, but rather than the money being in a bank account, earning no or effectively no interest, Mm -hmm. having it placed in a um, security or a portfolio of securities. So, you know, the thought would be that that value of security should increase in value at a greater rate than a bank account. um, And then your credit line can go up. And, you know, one of the things that we would emphasize is that we serve a pretty a pretty broad socioeconomic base. So earlier this year, we won an award that was sponsored by Stanford University, Johns Hopkins University, um, EY, otherwise known as Ernst & Young, um, for um, being the most socially impactful company in the United States with respect to finance, right? But then we also, you know, can offer things through very high-end um, wealth management firms. So we do serve a broad socioeconomic arc, and we're proud of that. Sorry, I'm not tracking. So what's the socioeconomic angle? So how does so this is that in the United States, there's a yawning and in many countries, but we're focused on the U.S. So, you know, there's a yawning racial and, and gender investment gap in the United States. So to use our product is necessarily um, to become an investor, right? Because when you enroll in this product, which is a digital enrollment that takes roughly three minutes, um, we're creating a bank account for you. We're creating this brokerage account for you. And so if we do programs, for example, with HBCUs, historically about colleges and universities, as we've done with Delaware State, you know, then every person who uses that product definitely becomes an investor. Okay. It's the inclusion part. Interesting. Okay. So your facility, so they don't have to open up a brokerage account. They can use you. They, for all purposes, it's a debit card. There's certainly higher risk, right? Because you're going to have the market volatility from the actual underlying ETF exposure. But at the end of the day, now they're in the market, even if it's only a small amount um, for whatever cash they have on. Is that kind of the yeah, idea? So by implication, you make another really good point. So we can link to anything, right? I mean, we can link to stocks. We can, we can link to anything that has a T plus two or shorter settlement period. Right. So we could go ahead and link to and we can also link to crypto um, mm-hmm. by integrating it, which we haven't done yet. But um, we can do it in one of two, we can do it in one of three ways. We could integrate into a crypto custodian and then, you know, they would we'd be linking to crypto the same way that we link to ETFs or mutual funds via Pershing or Drive Wealth. Um, the second is that we can go ahead and link to ETFs that track, for example, the you know, Bitcoin futures. And I think in a, in I'm probably the least knowledgeable person on this call with respect to the third possibility, but I think it's exceedingly likely that in a near term, you're going to have um, you know, a, an enormous number of um, crypto ETFs. I mean, I think Gensler has lost that fight, and I think that they're going to be coming to market in the coming year. 
a lot. Oh, I don't know. He 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 responded to the uh, the congressman uh, asking him to approve one. They sent the letter. He responded like a half hour later, telling him to sit and spin. So I I think he's going to go down fighting. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, but it's the go down part. So I think it's. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love it. All right. So a question here. I think you answered this from Ryan. What's the wallet infrastructure or options? I guess I'm thinking. He's yeah. So we that's a, a yet a, yet another great question. So we can link um, up to 30 sub accounts, which is a crazy high number. No normal person should ever want anything approaching that. <laughs> so what for us would be, but I'll explain why we did it. It wasn't just sort of a fit of madness, although we certainly do things in fits of madness, but this wasn't one of them. So what, you know, for us, a typical product construct, it gets Kenny to point you made by implication a moment ago about volatility. So for us in the current environment, a reasonable construct would be four wallets or sub accounts. I mean, the wallet sub account are the same things. So the first, for example, would be an FDIC bank suite program. The second would be the stable NAV government fund. The third would be an ultra short bond fund. And the fourth would be a short bond fund. And so the point is you're completely correct with the, you know, the ultra short or the short bond fund. There's certainly a prospect of loss. You know, there's certainly going to be volatility, but the expectation is that over time, um, the 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 yield is going to be very substantially higher than what it would be in an FDIC banking account, right? So one way of thinking about our product, in a sense, is as a um, is as a liquid bond ladder, and so we actively would discourage anyone, for example, from linking it to a high yield debt fund. We would discourage mm-hmm. people from linking it to a REIT. You know, we think that doing you know Kazakhstani energy futures, uh, you know, is probably a really bad idea for how it is you should be using your cash. So we think of it more as a separately managed account for cash. Where, as we were saying in our breakout session, if you have a choice between putting money in a bank and earning a national average of seven basis points, or even if you're hyper conservative, putting it with us earning 500 plus in a ultra, in a, um, stable on a B government money market fund. Mm-hmm. You know, we would like to think that it's self-evident that people, other things equal, would rather get 70 times more on their money. Gotcha. Certainly so over time. Compliment. So yes. if you're a crypto person, we're not yes. saying, oh, move your money out of crypto. What we're saying is, you know, presumably you're, you're investing in crypto because you think that's going to generate medium to long-term wealth. Great. Whatever money is there, that's sacrosanct. We don't want to compete for it. We don't want to cannibalize it. What we're saying is use this as a separately managed account for cash because it's a better way of transacting than a traditional bank. Right. If you have a core brokerage account with your wealth manager and you're, you know, in these, you know, 60, 40 equities fixing, you know, that sacrosanct money, we don't want to touch that. What we're saying is this is a way for our partners to capture off platform cash. Right. Interesting. That's fascinating. Question, quick one for you from Daryl's DM. Uh, US only right now? Yeah. So it's, it's, so I'm really impressed with the quality of questions. Um, so yes, today, but we really hope that that changes before the end of the year. Okay. Um, and by the way, for, for all of you who are into Islamic finance, um, is that we actually have a certification from the a company oh. called Yassar, which does the Sharia certifications for the London Stock Exchange and FTSE Russell, that our product is Sharia compliant so long as we link to Islamic securities and an Islamic bank account. And so that may give you some insight into where our minds are going with regard to expansion. I guess that makes sense, right? Because you're not paying interest. Um, right. Because it's not interest, right? You get appreciation. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's kind of the right, it's profit share in the most literal market. sense. It becomes an interesting way of distributing to cook, which yeah. for lack of a better description are um, Islamic fixed income products or Islamic bonds. Getting a lot of uptick in that market. I'm just just morbidly curious, not morbidly curious, but I'm very curious. Is that is that resonating there? Is that is that a lot of your client base right now? 
Well, no, it's zero of our client base right now because we haven't launched there. But outside we're, of the US, right? <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're very focused on that. And one of the interesting things is that among all of the GCC countries, they're all different, right? So in Saudi Arabia, you're obligated to be an Islamic bank. You cannot have a banking license without being an Islamic bank. Hmm. In Qatar, or Qatar is um, in Qatar, what you'll have is you have a choice. You can be Islamic or conventional, but not both. In the Arab Emirates, you can be both. You can be Islamic with a conventional window. You can be conventional with an Islamic window. But the interesting thing is that among all six countries in the GCC, the largest shareholder of every financial institution is the sovereign. Mm -hmm. So what the, the motivation from the sovereign's perspective for us is to build a re it's a little bit like the inclusion point it's to build a retail investment market which is currently conspicuously lacking i mean that makes a lot of sense um interesting all right so you got a uh you got visa on board kind of what and obviously a lot of institutions big players kind of what is the the core innovation that they were most excited by out of curiosity of how it is that you could transform investment product into digital currency right so when al kelly was the ceo of visa when they made their their investment in us which was in April of 2021, but boy, in fintech years, that seems several lifetimes ago. <laughs> um, and is that his view was, wait, today there's, you know, trillions of dollars that flow through Visa Rails linked to bank accounts. You know, if you look at, um, you know, the value, there's roughly, 18, today there's roughly $18 trillion in the U.S. banking system. You know, to put a number which is stupefying in context, is um, the amount of money which Bank of New York Mellon alone custodies is roughly $45 trillion. So think about that for a moment. Bank of New York Mellon globally custodies an amount of money which two and a half times the U.S. money supply, right? So Al Kelly was like, wait a minute, you know, we've always been focused since inception on bank money. You know, what we're kind of missing is this is the tail, the dog, is everything that lies in securities. So if we could start, you know, we as Visa start getting not only banks like Citibank or Chase or Guilford Savings Bank as our clients, but BlackRock and PIMCO and State Street, you know, the, for the amount of, of you know, the, the bet for us is a small bet, you mm -hmm. know, with, um, you know, what we very much hope will be a meaningful return for them. Gotcha. That makes sense. Which then breaks the next question is due diligence. These folks have no joke in terms of due diligence. So like on your oh, back man. end. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's um, there. There's an awful lot of understatement in your comment. So um, in one glorious moment, there was um, Visa's legal not to not to speak out of school, but um, Visa's legal counsel, at least for our transaction and for a lot of their transactions, um, is a San Francisco based law firm, um, Morrison and Forster. And a long time ago, I, I went to Yale Law School and it was incredible. There was one call um, where we, we kept on trying not to smile on the call. There were more MoFo lawyers than we had employees at our company. <laughs> um it's just we were, but you know that the the there's there's a saying in Spanish that there's not bad from which good can be extracted. No, I no, I mal porque bien no venga, um, in my heavily accented Spanish. But the thought is, it was a brutal due diligence process because they only have one due diligence process, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh, we're going to invest in 
you know, square slash block. Oh, here's our process. Oh, we're going to invest in Stripe. Here's our process. Right. We're going to invest in Plaid. We're going to try and buy Plaid. Here's our process. Oh, here's this little obscure fintech company. Well, we have this process, right? So if you, it's kind of the Nietzsche thing that, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. Um, and we benefited a lot because, I mean, now that that I've, I've whinged a little bit about the process, let's talk about the good of the process, right? It, it They, you know, are, they look at our AWS infrastructure. And they say, oh, you know, this could be so much better if you were to do this, 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 and this. And so, you know, they helped enhance our AWS infrastructure in a way that, you know, was, was quantumly better than what we could have done on our mm -hmm. own. You know, they look at our PCI as an acronym for payment card industry. You know, they look at our security and they say, you know, we can go enhance your security in ways that are, you know, mm -hmm. you know qualitatively different um, than than what we could have done on our own. I mean, they they have some amount of economic insights, right? I mean, they're they're a fabulous partner. It's sort of like having the world's worst father-in-law until after the marriage. <laughs> and then it's like, well, you know, there's a lot of good that comes from this. That's funny. All right, it's great. Well, unfortunately, um, I think we keep talking for a long time. Uh, we do need to do some breakout rooms. That's a lot of people are here for, um, and to hear from you, obviously. But uh, tap room time. Ooh like that that's a new slide um we're going to uh have a couple of friendly reminders first off uh networking not pitching um so please be respectful of that and each other uh we don't do a full participant list so join telegram introduce yourself or just swap details in the chat there um and generally usually introduce yourself and then talk about the topic if you have time or so inclined and the topic for the first breakout room is yeah which kind of product would you like to Kind of liquidate real time. What would you be willing to put up? Oh, is it your question. crypto portfolio? Is it your recent ETF? Is it your house? Uh, what would you like to put make available for liquidity immediately? I'll All put right. you into rooms now, and we'll see you back here in ten minutes. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hopefully, you had good conversations. Fred, we are going to reshuffle breakout rooms, but while we do so, actually, can I ask a quick favor? Can sure. we do by a vote? How many people here view um, crypto as a currency as opposed to an asset class? Currency versus an asset class. Yeah. In other words, how many people believe that crypto would be, um, if they could transact in the cryptocurrency or digital currency of their choice, they'd prefer that versus US dollars? Okay. Those are two very different questions. If you could convert in, can transact in current crypto versus fiat, would you do so? Like in a day-to-day -day basis? How about everybody, let's use the reactions, uh, a thumbs up, and I'll give you the option one. Option one is crypto. Thumbs up if you'd rather transact all day, every day in crypto versus fiat. How about if it's both or it depends? Uh, <laughs> thumbs up. If, if you are right there on the middle, go with crypto. Chris says thumbs down, <laughs> rather fiat, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what a thumbs down means in this scenario. Right. So the reason what I'm asking is that people ask us routinely. And by the way, someone put in the comments that people should have a choice. I absolutely believe that people should have a choice. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, at least speaking for myself, um, the to me, what would be interesting is linking to crypto or a crypto index, you know, such as um, the index that, that Kenny referenced earlier as perhaps a wallet in our product. But, you know, I would be reluctant to, you know, transact my daily life in Bitcoin because of the enormous volatility relative to other products like, you know, a, a government fund or things of that sort. 
Um, and I was just curious what recognizing there's a significant crypto bias in this audience, what people's thoughts were. But I do believe that the winning view, and I don't know who put it in the comments, was that people should be able to choose. Right. I, I yeah, certainly I that. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to be some some like we last uh, speaker last week was like hardcore Bitcoin maxi. Right. Like, how can you just get an endowment and go, go, go and borrow against it and everything like that? There's definitely going to be people like that. But I will say every time I have to do any money movement in traditional finance, I want to shoot myself in the head. It is terrible <laughs> versus doing it in crypto. It's just so, oh, I just, oh, so, so obnoxious. Uh, but the rest of the reels aren't there. So if they were there, I would probably be born in the crypto camp. Um, but the by the time the reels are there, we're going to have all of the regulatory infrastructure, which is causing the slowness in traditional finance anyways. So well, we think that we might um, be a, a way station on that journey. In other words, on the assumption that an ETF or mutual fund, but more likely an ETF mm -hmm. linked to Bitcoin or to some defined, maybe your index um, or whatever it may be, then we can go ahead and use that ETF the same way that we use, you know, Mint sure. or um, Bond today, you know, the PIMCO products. Mm -hmm. um, so people could be transacting with our technology, but the underlying um, payment currency that they would be choosing would be Bitcoin. And someone in, in the comments asked, how does it work with an ETF out of settlement hours? So what we do is we just use it on the, the price of close on the next trading day, right? Mm -hmm. So if Kenny's taking Isla out and paying with this ETF on a Friday night, then we're going to be using the price on Monday because that's what it is that we're going to need to pay into via the bank into the Visa Settlement Network. Makes sense. I don't think I don't think Isla's uh, uh, husband would appreciate that very much, but yeah, no, and I think you're right though. The ETF piece you can take is the, the big one. And my wife is going to have an issue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think the big thing is the ETF, and we we keep coming back to this in the in the interviews tab where it's so much of this financial infrastructure um, becomes unlocked as soon as we have that ETF. No, like in in this case, like your stuff, like you're not you're not going to spin up a Coinbase account or do wallet integration to, to facilitate these types of products. But if there's an ETF there, you more or less get it for free with your existing infrastructure. And there's so much stuff like that, which I think is going to drive a lot more adoption to, to crypto overall. Um, but yeah, that's great. I was going to ask you to tell us the future, but uh, you derailed in a great, great, great way. So good job. Uh, but <laughs> Isla, do you have another topic for the next step room? Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe we'll we'll just pass the you know greatest crypto innovation you've seen recently to the audience instead <laughs> this time around. What is something exciting that you've seen from an innovation perspective in crypto recently? Feel free to share that later in the chat. Um, we'll recommend someone to speak if you wanted to. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, we are going to do a quick wrap up if I can find the slide. There we go. Uh, next week, don't tech scare off your fintech customers. Nice crypto headline. Come check it out because this is a weekly event. So, uh, yeah, same time, Wednesday, 10, 10 a.m. Central next week. Diffuse tap in person. One person already in this call stepped up to be the ambassador for October, but we can always have more than one. So do hit us up if you want to host something in your local town. We've done it from all over the U.S., London, Singapore, wherever, really. Telegram, join, introduce yourself. Tell us what you're up to. Um, it's one of those. But Mr. Phillips, please. Uh, yeah, plug. 
What you want to plug? How can people find you? I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. Um, I'll be responsive. You know, I want to thank um, Kenny and Isla for the opportunity to um, speak and to meet all of you. And I think my closing thought isn't so much what I want to plug is so much as plugging all of us. You know, is in the different breakout sessions, what I found to be so impressive and energizing is so many people have really interesting, disruptive ideas that they're acting on and that they have a passion for and that they're dedicating. And it's hard, right? It's really hard when you have an idea to have a passion, to overcome the friction, to overcome the inertia, to try and proselytize and get people to believe in what you're doing. And I'm just was extraordinarily impressed. Um, and normally I'm like a really, you know, critical, cynical person, but I just found this to be incredibly energizing um, to hear what different people are doing and wish everyone just enormous individual and collective success. Well, I'm glad that the the good folks here who are amazing, um, by the way, were able to touch your cynical heart. Uh, but thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and joining us here today. Uh, thank you everybody else for coming and uh, do- donating or sharing some of your time and meeting the fellow community members. And Isla, was there anything I missed? I always miss something. No, I think oh. that is it. Perfect. See you all uh, next week. See you next week. Have a good one. Um, enjoy the beginning of fall. Ooh, my favorite time of the year. All right. See you guys. See you. <laughs> see you in a week. Bye. Bye. And thanks again, Fred. Bye. My pleasure. Thank you, Kenny. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time.